have a bunch of announcements this morning. Uh, but before we do that, I do want to uh, kind of specifically speak to the live stream. We have a live stream going on, right, Jordan? Um, you know, we love technology. We love to be able to put the screens up and even to live stream. And we recognize that I think we've been averaging 80-ish views a week on live stream, which is great. It's kind of like double the size of the congregation. So as much as we celebrate technology, we, we also know that we're kind of helpless when technology takes a nosedive, which it did this morning. So at about 15 till, 10 till, we had no live stream. And about three minutes till service started, live stream went up. So good morning to all of you who are joining us. Uh, the challenge with that is I still don't think we have, we don't have slides and we don't have uh, announcement slides. And, you know, usually we put up the verses and everything. So for those of you who are here, you get the benefit of that. And uh, if, if you're wondering uh, at home, usually what happens is uh, we have some very faithful uh, watchers. And when something happens technology-wise, they usually blow up Pastor Tyler's phone. So um, just to let you know, at home, we know that you're not getting the slides. So uh, Pastor Tyler really would just, maybe a good morning. If you're at home, just text to Pastor Tyler and say, hey, good morning, Pastor Tyler, rather than, there's no slides. Okay, so um, yeah, please don't. I told him to say good morning to you. Wish him, wish him a, a blessed Sunday instead. So anyway, uh, we celebrate technology, uh, but the good news is God's bigger than technology. And you know, sometimes we become so dependent on, on really things that, that we take for granted, and then you go back to the early church and like, wait, it was God, the Holy Spirit, changing lives, transforming the world long before the internet. Amen? So we're going to celebrate it. We're going to move forward today. We are glad that you are joining us online and those that will be... Uh, watching this later in the week, um, but that's, we just want to make that clear that we're aware of that, that glitch. But thank you. Let's give it up to the tech team um, for even being able to do that. <laughs> Jordan was having such a good morning. And then about quarter till, he ducked underneath that desk, and they're pulling wires, and they work diligently. And I said, what's live stream look like? And it looked like, remember the old school on TV when it would turn off at 2 a.m. or 12 a.m., and it would just go to the rainbow screen? Well, that was live stream at about 9.57-something. So, so thank you, tech team, for getting that up. We celebrate that. Uh, we do have a bunch of announcements. Mark, you want to come up and uh, tell us what's happening with missions? Thank you. Um, so we have had a lot of fun having Zeke and Layla Rhodes um, in town for the last little while, and they're going to be here a little while longer. Um, if you don't know them, Layla is Richie and Nadine's daughter, and Zeke is Bill and Laura Rhodes' son. And Bill and Laura have been uh, doctors and missionaries and working in Kenya for a long, long time, and um, Zeke and Layla are following in their footsteps. The Lord is leading them to uh, go to Kenya, and Zeke is a doctor, and Layla is a nurse, and they're headed off before too long. Next Sunday, during the service, they're going to have an opportunity to just share a little bit about kind of how the Lord's led them and where they're going and what they're going to be doing. And then next Sunday night at 6 p.m. here at the well is going to be an opportunity to spend time with them in more detail. So if you want to hear more than what you're going to hear next Sunday, or if you're even potentially interested in helping support them or just being involved and engaged in their lives as they move into this new journey, Journey, then Sunday night, 6 p.m., kind of a dessert event and getting to hear a little bit more in detail from them uh, will be available. So I think the next is 
my lovely wife, Kathy. Good morning. Thank you. You have to put up with us both. <laughs> um, I want to make a quick announcement, but I wanted to share something really quick too. But so we're going to have a uh, Christmas gathering for the women on December third, four o'clock. It's going to be at on my house, our house. <laughs> uh, so you're, all the women are welcome to come. We even have sign-up sheets. So put it um, on your calendar, uh, December third. Uh, at 4 o'clock at my house. Um, so I just wanted to share one little thing about that. Um, it's a verse in uh, Matthew's uh, second chapter. Uh, then Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the Christ. And when you have found him, report to me that I may come and worship him. So I'm going to take this verse completely out of context, completely. Um, so it says, go and, careful, go and make careful search for the child. Um, to me, that's saying individually, go and find Christ. Go and look for the Messiah. Go find the Lord and spend time with the Lord. Um, and when you find him, you will find him. If you come to him, he will come to you. And Report that to me. Talk about it. Live it and talk about it. And so this applies to whenever we get together. Sundays, Christmas gatherings, individually, Bible studies, one-on-one -on -one when you have with people. Come and talk, either through your words or your life, that I too may come and worship him so we can connect and uh, encourage each other together. So again, please sign up. We look forward to spending time together with the women. Great. Thank you, Kathy. Yeah, you can. So uh, men, as the women are enjoying uh, that evening at Kathy's house, because we caught that, at Kathy's house, um, Men, we have an opportunity. If you came to the men's breakfast, Matt mentioned that there would be some uh, opportunities for community service projects for the men, and there is one same day, uh, Saturday, December 3rd. The Life Choices Pregnancy Clinic has some shelves uh, that need to be put up, and so Matt Norris, is, he needs about five guys, a few hours that Saturday to help put up shelves and bless Life Choices. So uh, if you're interested, men, uh, contact Matt. And he'll give you all the details with that, okay? Uh, we also wanted to take uh, an opportunity to say thank you to all of you who have donated to the food drive uh, abundantly for help of Ojai. Uh, that table got filled and that, all of that went already and it's already being refilled. So uh, the needs are, are abundant this year. And thank you again for all of you who have given sacrificially to the food drive. If you would like to continue to give, uh, just put it on the table in the uh, commons there, and it'll, we'll just keep bringing it on over to help of Ojai to bless, bless the community. Okay? Uh, breakfast in Bethlehem. You've heard about it. You saw the announcement last Sunday. Uh, I wanted to kind of repeat, and, and sometimes when you see these, if you've been in church, traditionally you slot that into family, a family thing, and then you go, well, that's just for kids, right? It's just for parents who have little kids, and it's a kid thing. No, that's just, this is an all-ages event, and I told Kim that I really you know, want to emphasize that to you, the church family. Uh, all ages, whether you have kids or not, it, it's a celebration of the birth of our Savior. 
uh, in a kind of a creative way. We've not done this before. We're looking forward to it. So all ages are welcome. If you need help registering because you're supposed to register online, uh, there will be an iPad at the welcome cart, and they will help you register after service if you'd like to do that. It's, uh, what is it, Tyler, 75? First 75 people that register. So uh, also coming up, uh, Betty mentioned Continuing Care Center. Uh, it's located right behind the Ojai Hospital for years and years before the pandemic, we would go there for chapels and just built this great relationship. We would do Christmas caroling. We've continued our relationship with them, and Betty mentioned last Sunday we're doing, uh, what do you want to call this, baskets? Baskets, these really nice gift baskets. Uh, there's a card at the welcome cart with a bunch of items. All right, do you have one of those here? I'll, uh, I'll get that real quick. So there's, if you want to, again, bless the community, specifically the residents at um, Continuing Care, chapstick, lotion, hair ties, toothbrushes, toothpaste, deodorant. Uh, and it, it's not even just what's in the basket. It's the fact that we're blessing them. Right? How many of you here just love getting gifts? Right? You just, there's something special. Someone, someone, I'm, I'm, I'm recognized. And so we want to bless them in a very uh, practical way. So there's these uh, slips at the welcome card if you want to do that. And Benny, where, where should they bring these if they... Here? Yeah, where should they drop these off? The oh, in the trunk. That's right. There's a, there's a trunk, a chest underneath the TV. Right? Th- there you go. Wow. <laughs> well done. Thank you, Eileen. Wow. Like, if I do this, will this happen? Or just not till the end? <laughs> that doesn't happen till the end. Wait, here it comes. Here it comes. Wait. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. Sorry, Randy. I know that... that that's just, that's your space. Sorry, Randy. I just wanted to feel what that, when you do this, and that's amazing. That, that works. Boom, boom. All right. Um, all right, so baptisms. Uh, just a little while ago, we celebrated baptisms with some of the, uh, the young, young adults. We've had people inquire about baptisms, so we have a baptism coming up November 27th, and we do them out in the back patio area. Uh, Tyler says it's going to be heated. Right? It's going to be heated. Uh, if you have not been baptized and you're even just inquisitive, you're just wondering, what is baptism all about? Or I really would like to get baptized. You can talk to Pastor Tyler afterwards. Uh, and he or one of the elders, we'd love to sit down and chat with you about that and celebrate that with you. And then finally, uh, this year for Thanksgiving, I spoke with Pastor Dan from Calvary Chapel over in Oakview, and then he sent out an email to the pastors of the Ojai Valley Ministerial Association inviting us, the churches in the valley, to come alongside him. Uh, They have, for about 20, 23 years, he said, they sponsor Thanksgiving at the park. Uh, They set up at Libby Park, uh, great spread with food, music, a meal, there's a message, and it's not just for the church, but even community members come alongside so we want to give you an opportunity, if you would like to serve at Thanksgiving at the park, uh, Calvary Chapel has a link on their website. You can sign up. You can also contact uh, Bernie Gayona at that uh, email. He's heading up volunteers, I believe, for their event. Uh, Pastor Dan says, you know, they're set up about 10 a.m., then there's breakdown at about 1. But what he really would like, you can bring food as well, but he says, you know, one of the needs that we have is actually for people to go through the food lines and sit down and eat with the guests. Sit down and eat. And he says the ministry isn't just to uh, the homeless, it's to the lonely. So sometimes we forget about that, right? If you have your traditions and, and suddenly or Thanksgiving and you rally around your family, you forget that oftentimes uh, holidays are very um, challenging and even depressing times for those who 
uh, are alone. And so you have an opportunity, if you'd like, in a lot of different ways to bless the community and, and be blessed. And who knew that going through a food line and sitting down and getting to know someone and sharing a Thanksgiving meal would be a way to serve. Okay, so, so we put that out to you and encourage you, um, if you're able, go, go be a part of the community and, and we'll be salt and light, okay? Wow, how many of you just needed that? Right, we just needed that. Everything that's going on in life and everything, especially in the holidays, right? And uh, wow, thank you, worship team. That, that was great. They're going to be up uh, a little later to do another song. Uh, years, years ago, uh, I was facilitating a men's group. I think it was back when we first started. And we went through a series on the attributes of God. And we came across this quote by a gentleman named Kurt Cloninger. And he said this, show me. What someone's view of God is, and I'll show you how they live their lives. Think about that for just a moment. Show me what someone's view of God is, and I'll show you how they live their lives. And as part of that, I, I asked the guys, I handed out a piece of paper and pencils, and I said, hey, when you think of God, just, just honestly, permission to, to be completely honest, draw a picture for me. To help you, you know, not just sort of get past the, the polite courtesy, well, I believe in God, and say all the nice things. Or draw a picture. Just draw a picture. When you say, when I, when you say think of God, just draw a picture. And, and I'll never forget, uh, one of the pictures I got was of a judge with lightning bolts in his hand. Which I'm going to guess, if you were honest, here at home, some of you might have something somewhat similar to that when I say... What do you think of God? What's your view of God? Right? And, and it's interesting because whether or not you're even consciously aware of it, you have a view of God. And it's very interesting because sometimes you think, well, that's, the, that's a theological question, right? Theology is the study of God. And isn't that for you paid professionals? You're supposed to study theology, and then you're just supposed to tell us what what, what we're supposed to believe. Isn't that how it works in the church? Well, the truth is, everybody is a theologian. The real question is, does your theology line up with Scripture? That's the real question, because if I were to pass out a piece of paper, and somehow miraculously a piece of paper would show up at your doorstep right now, if you're watching this online, and I said, draw a picture of God, what you really believe. Don't, don't tell me what you think I want to see. Don't give the, the, you know, the VBS Vacation Bible School answer, just be honest. Draw a picture of God. I, I, I can't even imagine the variety that we would get here. And what is that reflection of? Theology. It's your theology. Now, whether or not that lines up with Scripture is a whole nother issue. But your view of God impacts everything in your life. Everything. Whether or not you're consciously aware of it, right? Uh, if you've been with me, I've shared with you this sort of this continuum that we all uh, sort of experience. It's called beliefs, thoughts, emotions, actions, right? And so sometimes even as a parent or as a youth pastor or something, we look at behaviors, people's actions, and we just try to correct their actions, right? Well, the truth is if you want genuine action change, you got to go back a little bit. Okay, you got to go back to the emotions, their thoughts, and ultimately their beliefs. 
Your beliefs lead to your thoughts, emotions, and ultimately that plays out. Here's an example. Here's an example. You're sitting in that chair. You came in, and you're sitting in that chair, which reveals a deep belief. What is the belief? Because you're sitting in that chair. You believe the chair is going to hold you up. If you didn't believe that, you'd be standing up. Right? In fact, that belief about the chair is so ingrained in you. Did anyone here test the chair before you sat in it? Anyone? Okay, and, and this is even how many of you are sitting in the same chair you did last Sunday? So you have history with that chair. You like your chair. You might have even nicknamed your chair, right, Betty? Hello, chair. You might greet your chair. I don't know, right? But everyone here had a belief that you carried in about chairs. You manifested that belief because you sat in the chair, didn't you? Didn't you? And so, in a similar way, we have this deeply held belief about God that you might not even be consciously aware of. And I'm not talking that just there is a God. I'm talking about the nature of God. Because I'll tell you, if, if you carry around a belief that, you know, when, when I say God, it's, you know, the big Judge Wapner, Judge Judy with lightning bolts, well, that's going to create certain thoughts in your head that's going to create certain emotions, mostly fear, guilt, condemnation. And then your actions are, I'm not going to church. Why would I go? It's just, or you're just living in constant oppression and, you know, all of that. It's a very interesting question, right? What do you believe about God, his nature? Because this morning we're going to be focusing on an attribute of God that quite literally can transform your life this morning. Whether you're here, whether you're at home, whether you're listening to this later today or in the week, this one attribute of God, if you can solidify this into your belief structure, and it gets there so, so solidified that it gets into your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions, the rest of this day, the rest of this week, the rest of your life can be transformed. Right? Mark, you talked about having trials and tribulations and everything. Especially when it comes to trials and tribulations, if you get this attribute of God that we're going to be speaking about into your belief core, and it plays out ultimately into your actions, transformative. Transformative, okay? So we're, we're going through the book of Philippians. It's a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church, the believers at a city called Philippi. We're in uh, chapter 4, and we're just going to kind of read through verse 4 to 7 to kind of give us context of where we've been and, and where we're going, okay? So he writes this, the Apostle Paul. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. We covered this a couple of weeks ago. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about what? Anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So last week, we focused on verse 5. Here's verse 5 again. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Last week, we, taught, we saw that the word reasonableness means forbearance, okay? Forbearance. When you're under pressure, just having a right heart, you can have a right response. If you're familiar with Bible study, right, verse 5 it's two sentences in there, if you will. 
So last week was we looked at Philippians 4, 5a, and today we're going to go this much further. We're going to go focus on 4, 5b, which is the Lord is at hand. Or in the NIV, it says, the Lord is near. So the attribute of God that we're going to be focusing on today is the nearness of God. And the power, the supernatural transforming power that that can have in your life and my life immediately if you will allow the Spirit to just kind of speak truth to you this morning, okay? So it's interesting, it says in the NIV, the Lord is near, okay? That, the Greek word for near, uh, it's interesting because it can either mean near in space, like this, or time, or time. Uh, there's two attributes of God uh, that this kind of touches on. It's imminence versus immanence, okay? Right there, very important. Imminence is that God is near in time. We're talking about the return of Jesus, okay? You ever hear like the threat is imminent, something is imminent. That means it's coming soon. It's imminent, okay? So, so Jesus' return is imminent, right? Revelation twenty two twelve. 12, here kind of speaks to this. Behold, I am coming soon, right? Imminent, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. That's the imminence of Christ, now, this imminence also can still have an impact on our daily life. In James 5, he says this, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So the imminence of Christ should impact our life, gives us perspective, okay? We know Christ is coming, right? This isn't all there is. There's an eternal perspective. That's imminence. In 5b, really the emphasis, and we'll see this in a little bit, the emphasis is on imminence, okay? Eileen, can you put up the two words again? So imminence is nearness in time. Imminence is God is near in space. Crucial. Crucial, okay? Because if I were to ask you in your life, how imminent is God? How, how, do you, how often do you operate your life, work, school, home, rooted in the nearness of God? The nearness of God. Because see, many of us, even in the church, may actually have more of a belief of what we call deism. We have a deistic view of God. Now, deism, D-E-I-S-M, you'll believe in a supreme being. You might even believe in a creator, okay? But deism as a whole says, creator, supreme being, spun the universe out and is just watching, not involved, impersonal power, just watching. How many of you remember, if you date yourself, remember there was that one song, God is watching us. God is watching us. God is watching us from a, from a distance. That's deism, right? So the question for you, for me today, where is God in the nearness spectrum? When you came in today, is, is God more deistic? He spun it. You believe in creation. You believe in Genesis and all that. 
but God is more like removed, not really involved, not really engaged in it. And for some of us, if you're honest, that might even be impacted with your relationship, maybe with your earthly father. Okay? So I love my dad. You know, he, he passed about 13 years ago. But my dad was not very, like, touchy-feely kind of dad. Provider dad, protector dad, everything like that. But we didn't have this real conversational relationship growing up, right? Uh, appreciate everything he did for the family, but it wasn't intimate, wasn't personal, wasn't relational, right? And then uh, on top of that, we grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition, right? And, and if you grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition, you go in and the, the churches, in a beautiful way, are meant to what? Communicate the holiness of God, the reverence of God, the transcendence of God. One of my nephews got married in San Francisco, one of those, I don't know, if it's kind of a famous one, I don't know, right? Remember? Did you go? And so we, we walked in and I was like, whoa. And that's what the cathedrals of Europe, that's why the cathedrals of Europe were built the way they were. They were meant, when you walk in, it was designed to tell you, God is this big and you're not God. That's, how, that's why cathedrals are built that way. They're meant to go this, really as an, as, a, as an expression of the incredible transcendence of God, okay? So I grew up uh, with my dad, provider dad, work hard dad, everything dad but not relational dad. I grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition where it's very holy, very reverent. It's great, nothing wrong with that. But I didn't really, I, it took a while for me as a believer to connect with this imminent God, this near God, this personal God who, who, who loves me and wants to be in every area of my life. It took me a while because I had to get over the the, the belief structure about God's attributes that he was just waiting for me to mess up. Anyone? Just waiting for me to mess up again. And not, to, you know, and try to keep score. Anyone ever wonder like, hey, am I on, am I on God's good side today? You know, and you kind of did good, 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 bad, bad, bad. I, I think I'm okay today, right? That, that's a very sort of deistic view where you're, where you're like, God is out there, he's watching me, kind of, but he's not really loving, personal, intimate. He's not imminent in my life. And that's what we're talking about. It's really, really important. You might be familiar with his attributes, so he's omnipresent, right? Some people, well, God is omnipresent. Well, what that means is God is present everywhere all at the same time. That's omnipresent. And it's not, I shared this a few weeks ago, God's omnipresence, it's, it's, it's something that our finite minds can't really wrap our mind around. Because we think, oh, God is, God is present everywhere in the universe right now. Well, how does that work? It's like 0.1% here, 10% here. Does he like divide himself up? No. Omnipresence means 100% of God is 100% everywhere. Right? Now, that's God's omnipresence. Imminence is related to that, but imminence brings the relational component to omnipresent. Not only is he present everywhere, he wants to be personal, intimate, relationally, actively involved in the lives of his people. That, that's the attribute when it says the Lord is near. And that's the transforming attribute I think many of us, many of us can, can really benefit from today, right? 
So we know he's transcendent, okay? When we talk about imminence, we also have to be very careful, just, just kind of an aside here. It doesn't mean that we're, we're adopting pantheism, okay? There are world religions out there. Pantheism is that God is not just everywhere, he's everything, He's still impersonal. He's an inactive force. Pantheism ultimately says that God is everything. That's not, what we, that's not biblical. That's not what we believe. We believe that God is transcendent, okay? He's transcendent. He's holy, holy, holy. He's creator. He's eternal. He's, he's, by his nature, he's separate from his creation, and yet he's imminent at the same time. So transcendence and imminence, two sides of the same coin. Rock your world. This transcendent God as a believer, you get to call Abba Father. <laughs> it, it, the nearness of God. Think about how, how the Old Testament Jews, why when Jesus came and everything, they, they, their worlds were flipped upside down because how often was the high priest allowed to go into the presence of God? Once a year, the high priest. And if he messed up, pull me out, Right? consequences. And yet we, as we sit here through Christ, can come into the presence of God with boldness. We can experience his nearness. That is the incredible privilege we have. The imminence of God is ours 24-7, 365. Right? And what greater attribute do we need than the imminence of God in the craziness of this planet? Right? Some of us, and I'm going to be very careful here, some of us you know, we're all over the spectrum with the midterm elections. Your theology, your view of God is directly related to your view and your reaction to the elections. Because God is still God. God is still in control. Right? But see, that's your theology. Sometimes even as believers, we get caught up in the events of the country and the world and we forget, well, we got to transcend in God. The Bible says there's nothing too difficult for him. Globally, all the way down to your life. Right? He's imminent. He's transcendent, but he's imminent. Right? Try to wrap your mind around that. Wayne Grudem, professor of theology, says this. In the teaching of the Bible, God is both infinite and personal. He is infinite, transcendent, and personal, imminent. He is infinite in that He's not subject to any of the limitations of humanity or of creation in general. He is far greater than anything he has made, far greater than anything else that exists. But he is also personal. He interacts with us as a person, and we can relate to him as persons. We can pray to him, worship him, obey him, and love him, and he can speak to us, rejoice in us, and love us. Apart from the true religion found in the Bible, no system of religion has a God who is both infinite and personal. Amen? That's us! Infinite and personal. How would that, how, how would that even now, just think about it, how would that radically transform your life situation now, whether it's work, school, in your marriage, with your kids, if you were in relationship with an infinite and a personal God? How does that change the balance of scale, the power Right now, how, how, is it, how is it changing the scales with what you're dealing with? Is it changing the scales a little bit? Is it bringing in a little more clarity, a little more focus? Because I don't know about you, when things happen in my life, 
I can fixate on them, on them so much that they just get so big. And I'm reacting, and I'm thinking, and I'm responding in ways that somehow actually reveal that this problem is bigger than God. Or that God's nowhere to be found at the moment. Right? Both of those. Okay? That's why this attribute is so very important. Okay? As we move forward, you know, there's, there's some verses I want to share with you that really, um, I hope you'll memorize them, maybe you'll minister to you about the imminence of God, and then we're going to talk about, well, how do, how do we begin to make this real? How do we begin to make this real? Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 34, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Psalm 119, but you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. And then even in the New Testament, remember at the end of the Great Commission, what does Jesus say? Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hebrews 13.5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Just a few verses that have been meaningful to me, and, and again, I would encourage you, read them, meditate on them, memorize them. With what? The desire to get the imminence of God into your belief structure. So that when circumstances come, and they will come today, this week, your first response is through the lens of Scripture. Okay? The nearness of God. When we were going through the, the Holy Spirit series, I, I shared with you a word called praxis. It's a word I picked up in college. Praxis, P-R-A-X-I-S, is, is really a combination of practice and theory. Okay? There's a definition up there. The practical application of a theory. Praxis. Okay? Uh, I liken this to James 1, to 25, where it says, hey, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers. One of my favorite verses is like, hey, that James 1.22 says, hey, you know what? If you come to church, that's awesome. If you hear the, the message, awesome. But he says in James, if you don't do anything with it, you're deluded. You're deceived. The whole point of coming to church and hearing the word of God is to what? Do something with it, right? I like the word practice, praxis, because it says, okay, we're hearing this. How do we make this real? How do we make this real? Okay, And so I want to help us make the imminence of God maybe more real, give you some practical helps, because it's so transformative. And, and I want to start with a photo, a photo of sixth grade me right there. That's sixth grade me. And I shared with you before in sixth grade, uh, we took a trip, our family took a trip to the Philippines, and I didn't get to play in our all-star little league team, in fact, you know, I had to missed that, and I went to the Philippines, and this is one of the days we went to a river. And if you're familiar with the uh, movie Apocalypse Now, there's a river scene where the boats are chasing. That, 
That's the river, apparently. And I, and I, I love this photo, and I've kept this photo, right? That's, that's sixth grade me. Because that photo has a backstory. And the backstory is when we got to the river, uh, I, of course, we had never been there. We were there with a bunch of cousins who had been there a lot. And we blew up the, the rafts. And, you know, I, I kind of grew up as one of those guys who just kind of did it. Just kind of just go for it type of stuff, right? So we're like, hey, you want to go in? You want to go on the river? Want to go across? We're at one bank. Want to go to the other across? I'm like, sure, let's go. So I grabbed the oars, and I jumped in the raft. Zero experience of river, nothing. It looked calm. How many of you have been to a river, and it looked calm until you, like, stepped in, right? And so I get in, and then I got out in two seconds. Like, I jumped in, and I thought I was going to go right across with no problem. I get in, the river starts taking me, and I bail. I, like, freaked out. I jumped out, saved the boat, get the oars back, and all my cousins are laughing. They're just like, ah, you know, right? They're just having a great laugh. And I was traumatized. I was like, whoa, that was, that, that was, that was quite the event there. And then one of my cousins says, I'll go with you. Let me go with you. And I said, okay, you know, I catch my breath, calm down a little bit. And he got in there, and he, he took the oars first, like, you know, two oars. And I, I sat as a passenger, and I'm like, how's he doing this? You know, this, is, this was his world. This is what he knew, and he was moving us around that river and everything like that. And then after a while, we just worked through it, and we're having fun. He says, well, we want you. You want to take the front? And yeah. And so what you don't see in that photo, you can barely see, is there's someone right behind me. Someone near. And the nearness of my cousin changed everything for me. I went from a traumatized, scared, jump out of the river, never want to touch it again, to, look at me, I'm just tooling around like it's, I've been doing that all my life. Because there was someone in the boat with me who knew what he was doing, right? And that radical, it, it, that's just, in a matter of, whatever, half an hour, it just radically transformed. And I love this because he's right behind me. He's near, you can't get much nearer in that little life raft. And, and it's helped me, it's helped me to, to catch myself when I was, thank you, Eileen, it's helped me to catch myself because I grew up in a situation and having to deal with situations in my life where when the world came at me, I didn't sense any nearness of anything. So it was all on me to deal with this. It was up to my resources, my street smarts, my ability to defend myself, whatever it would be. It was just me against the world, right? And it kind of hardened me. And this whole nearness thing, even, even you know, when I, when I would go to uh, Bible study as a new believer and go to church and people were singing all these, these touchy-feely songs to this loving God, I was like, that's kind of weird. Because I wasn't used to a loving God. I was used to me just handling the world. And, and this loving, personal, relational God that wanted to help me through my trials and tribulations, I was like, ah. My, I got to do some major rewiring in my heart and mind here because I don't even know if I like that idea because that means I give up control. 
That means I got to trust something bigger than me, right? And it's been a journey. He's, he's taken me through uh, a lot and, and helps me to mostly catch my initial reactions. And, you know, I try to be honest and transparent with you all in the journey because we're all on a journey. Amen? So in all honesty and transparency, the nearness of God um, it didn't work out too well 12 hours ago for me. Because <laughs> I, uh, I had a challenging moment yesterday. My wife and I were invited to an event, uh, a wonderful event, a wedding. And uh, I'm usually pretty careful about what I do Saturdays, particularly Saturday evenings, because I know that I have to be here and I try to be fresh, ready, all that prep and all this kind of stuff. But I rearranged my schedule. And as part of this wedding, uh, it was at a venue where you had to take a shuttle. You weren't allowed to park at the place. And I'm reading through everything. And I'm like, okay, I'll go with this, kind of never done this before. But they say that the shuttles are going to return, start leaving the, the reception place at 7, 8, and 8.45. And in my mind, it's a, like, it was like a 45-minute drive from here. So I'm slotting through. I, I live like, okay, what am I going to do Sunday? I got to prep this. So we'll go, okay, we'll go. It starts at 2, da-da-da. I leave the house at 1. I'll leave, catch the 7 o'clock shuttle. We'll be back by 9. And I could finish what I need to do for today. So it's all good until about... 7 o'clock, 6.30. And you know, like, weddings and receptions, they, all t- 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 they typically run late, right? So it's like 6.30, 6.45, and it's just barely time for the toasts. And I'm like, okay. Anyone here ever make plans, and somehow you assume they're all going to go your way? Like, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, just book the flight. Just book the flight, and it'll land, and we'll go to the gate. Doesn't it always work that way? No delays, no, right? So this is one of those moments. I took for granted that what I read. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm sure the shuttles will run after the toast. It's out of respect. They don't want people leaving. So the toast come and go. It's like 7.15, 7.20. And it's funny, the, the shuttle bus was parked right outside the hall, and I kept looking, and there was no driver. And I'm like, okay, inhale, exhale. Maybe there's come. Maybe they're coming. Maybe they're coming. <laughs> right? And so I'm like, oh, and then you know I start to do this, and then my wife. God bless my wife. She starts to try to want to help me. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Gentlemen, have you ever been so thankful, like? Lord, how did I get this beautiful wife? I'm so un, unworthy, right? So she, she starts helping me, and it, now it's starting to go bad this way. So I get up. i like, there's got to be someone in charge. And I had seen a guy from the, from the facility walking around. I figured he was the guy. So I go find the guy. He's sitting behind a, in the office. And I'm like, hey, man, do you happen to know when the shuttles, shuttle times are leaving? He goes, No. I think around 8. See, in my mind on the website, which I checked several times, 7, 8, 8.45. So now I go back. You ever been in, a, in a, like a reception or a party when you're fuming, but you got to, everyone else is having a good time? Anyone? Like, honestly, like, 
Or husbands and wives, you got a little thing going, but you can't let on to anyone else. So every time someone comes around, beautiful ceremony, beautiful, great couples. Gosh, yeah, so thankful to be here. And so this goes on and on, and, and I'm ratcheting up because now I'm really getting irked that I'm not being able to prep for this. The nearness of God. <laughs> I'm out in Goleta wondering where God is because there's no shuttle driver. God bless my wife. She, she knew I was spinning. I'm going in and out of the reception hall. Like, the more times I go out to the bus, the driver's going to magically appear, right? I'm going to force this to happen. So I'm going in and out. My wife trying to help me, and I'm not, now I'm lovingly, okay, not snapping at her because it's not helping, right? It's just escalating. And then, you know, I walk away, and I see her talking to someone. She has the wisdom to go ask someone else. I was one and done. I asked the one guy I thought had the answers, and she goes and asks another helper, lady walk around, and tells them, and she says 845. But my wife said, you know, on, on the website, an invitation, it said 7, 8. So, and the lady said, well, that must have been a misprint. Not what you want to hear when you're spinning. But my, mom, uh, my, mom, my, my wife wouldn't let it go. She said, well, you know, can, what can we do? And so she actually was, was wonderful with this helper, and she made some phone calls, and lo and behold, a driver showed up, like at 8.15. And we jumped on that and took the 15-minute shuttle back to the car and raced here, and it was a very quiet drive. And, uh, and, and I share that with you because I'm out there preparing to speak on the nearness of God. And all I could think of was the nearness of my anger, the nearness of um, how, uh, what's, what's the problem? See, so what was hard for this is, I, you know, my friend says, his, it was his son getting married, he says, yeah, you do this for a living. Yeah, I do, so I know how to event plan. I'm an event planner. I'm a 30-year event planner. So if you're going to, I'm thinking, it's very reasonable. If I'm going to force slash make people take a shuttle, then I better be very clear on the back end how to get them out of there, right? Reasonable. The nearness of God. So in confession to all of you and all of you at home, I was not focusing on Psalm 46, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved in the heart of the sea, though the shuttle driver be nowhere to be found, though there be a misprint on the website, though they didn't plan the way I would plan. Right? I, I, I was just caught up in how wrong this was. I was just caught up in my emotion. I was just caught up in me being spun and this isn't right and how could they do this? The nearness of God. Right? 
I went full deist on that. <laughs> You're just watching me. You're just, where are you, right? And, and, and then, you know, you wake up the next morning, you know, and try to you know, make it right at home and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yes, I made it right at home. And then I come here and I'm like, reviewing the notes in preparation for this, I'm like, what just happened, man? Transcendent God, the creator of the universe, who's transcendent and imminent, how could you have lost it last night? What happened? And what happened was, it was all about me. The focus was just about me and my emotion and and my opinion and my critique of everything and how this was messing up my plans and my schedule and my prep and everything like that. It was just a matter of focus. It was just a matter of focus. So I share that with you because I get how hard this can be. Usually when trials and tribulations happen in my life or maybe in your life, the focus immediately comes to me. I don't focus on the transcendence and the imminence of God and that God is going to eventually work this out for the good. I focus on how wrong this is and, and how long do I have to endure this, right? And I love these, these verses, you know, these verses kind of reflect my heart from last night. Psalm 10, why, O oh Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Right? Psalm 31, praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. In my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight. You ever felt like the world is coming in at you from all sides, and suddenly you're cut off from God's sight? He, he just, somehow he's forgotten about you. You're cut off from his sight. You're just a little peon in the universe, and he's got bigger things to take care of than you. You ever felt like you've been cut off from God's sight? I, last night, right? And so what do we do? One begins with just being honest, with a, an honest assessment of, of your view of God. Where do you stand with the imminence of God? How near is he in you, in your everyday life? Start with that, okay? Just be honest. Where are you with the imminence of God, the nearness of God, in every circumstance, good and bad, okay? And then Hebrews 10 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. And with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So a couple things in this passage. If we're going to draw near to God, you've got to be right with God through faith in Christ. Through faith in Christ, you and I have access to even be able to draw near to God. Okay? It's through Christ. So you've got to settle that issue. If you want to draw near to God, you want to experience, enjoy the transformative power of the imminence of God, you got to know God personally through faith in Jesus. And then it says here, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Drawing near to God is not just activity oriented. It begins in your heart. And when he says a sincere heart, it means a heart that says, Lord, I'm not hiding anything from you. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I have no ulterior motives. Here's my heart. This is my life. 
I am fully open to you. I'm coming with a sincere heart. Okay? And that can, that can take some time because usually we're pretty self-protective. Usually we're so afraid of uh, guilt, condemnation, shame that we don't want to expose what's in our heart and, and even to God. But the crazy thing is there's nothing hidden from God's sight. He knows everything. He has seen everything. The heart issue is to come to God with a pure and sincere heart and say, Lord, here it is. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And last night, honestly, it was a heart check for me. I was like, Lord, I studied this all week. I'm about to preach it on Sunday morning, and yet my heart that quickly got consumed with the flesh. Just I took my focus off of you. I took your focus, my focus off walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, and I went right full flesh mode, and that was a heart issue. And so my confession wasn't just, Lord, forgive me for how I spoke to my wife. Forgive me for my attitude. My, my first and foremost confession was, Lord, forgive me for my heart. Forgive me for my heart. My heart wasn't right last night. My heart suddenly shifted from celebrating my friend's son's wedding to my agenda. My heart was about me, and I had to ask God's forgiveness for my heart last night. Okay? Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. It's a heart issue. Now, there's certainly value in coming to church, okay? There's certainly value in going to men's groups, women's groups, quiet times, reading the Bible, all of that. That's foundational. But God really wants what's in your heart, not just your activities, not just your activities. He's looking at your heart, okay? James 4 says this, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw near to God. It's not a one-time act. It should be our habitual lifestyle. We should habitually, as a lifestyle, be desiring to draw near, to live in the nearness of God. Okay, we make a choice to draw near to him. And then the promise of that is he'll draw near to us. It's relational. This is the imminent God. It's re- he wants to draw near to you. Amen? He wants to. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to draw near to him, and he'll draw near to you. I love that. I love that. But it says, look at this verse, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you're double-minded. He's talking here to people earlier in, this, in James 4, he's talking about people who have been caught up in the world. Double-minded means they're trying to be a friend with the world and with the Lord, and it's dividing their loyalty, it's dividing their heart. And he says, you know what? If you're going to draw near to the Lord, you've got to settle your, your, your heart issue. You can't be double-minded. You can't be trying to play both sides of the fence here you got to come with them with a sincere and pure heart, right? Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. I love this from Tony Evans. He says, cleansing the hands refers to confessing and getting rid of the wrong things we are doing. But notice that James goes beyond the hands to the heart. We must purify our hearts because if we merely stop doing wrong things without dealing with the internal problem that caused the wrong behavior, we will soon go back to the wrong behavior. This is why so many people's New Year's resolutions fail and why so many Christians' good intentions never get fulfilled. What they are doing is not the main problem. They need to fix the root that is producing the fruit. That means you go to the heart. 
It starts in the heart. Okay? We can't be double-minded. And it's easy. And that's why it's really important for us to gather and you to commit to Sundays, you to commit to women's group, men's group. Because ultimately, all of these connecting points help us keep our heart right. Because it's really easy to get caught up with the distractions of the world. Amen? It's really easy to begin to focus on self. And we need the church, we need brothers and sisters to lovingly keep our hearts right. I came across a story I shared years and years ago. There was this older couple in one of those trucks. You remember some of those trucks before had the bench seat in the front where you could sit right next to each other? So this, this older couple is in this pickup truck and husband's here, wife's over by her door. And they come up to a young couple, looks like a young couple in a truck that happened to have the same bench seat. But when they pulled up to this truck with this young couple, it was like a two-headed driver. Right? The girlfriend or the wife was right next to the guy, and he had his arm around her. And, and this older couple is waiting there, and, and the wife goes to the husband and goes, Look at that! Look at that! You see that? He goes, yeah? He goes, that, that used to be us. What happened? He's like, I never moved. God never moved. We're the ones that drift. We're the ones that drift. Right? I love that because it's a good check. Draw near to God. He never moved. He'll draw near to you. Right? If you look at others, they're like, man, they worship. Man, they... it's all right there. They've just chosen to draw near to God. Through fellowship, through church, through relationships. Right? we we'll close with this. In Psalm 73, the psalmist, uh, he's very honest and transparent. And Psalm 73 starts with him struggling with what he sees in the world around him, specifically with the prosperity of the wicked. Right? Psalm 73 says this. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And he goes on in a few verses to just start, like, really letting it fly. He's like, you know what? They got no problems. They seem to be, you know, wealthy. And no, their life is great. He's looking at these, all these unbelievers, wicked people, and he's like, kind of getting really angry. He's like, what's up with that, God? All these people who don't even love you, they're consumed with money and materialism, and they're just having the time of their life. Anyone here ever been a little upset about that? You look around, you're like, right? Why are they getting away with it? Right? They, they blaspheme God, and they live in all these mansions, drive all these cars, have all these things. What? That's not fair. That's not right. And so it starts to change his heart because he's focusing on them and what he perceives as not being fair, Right? And then it's verse 16 and 17 says, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task because he's just like dwelling on it and it's just like killing him. He says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. So he gets consumed with what he sees around them and how unfair and that's right it is, right? It's wearing him out and he goes, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. See, he went to church. And when he came to church, the perspective changed again. 
to an eternal spiritual world focus. Said, oh, I get it. They're not getting away with anything. They're not getting away with a thing. God's still in control. God's going to make it right. God is still near. God is still transcendent. He had to have a focus shift. And where did that happen? In the sanctuary of God. In the sanctuary of God. See, you and I, we're going to leave here, and I don't know how much news you watch. I don't know what your coworkers are like. I don't know what your friends and family are like. But we are inundated with the stuff of the world constantly if you're not careful. And it can affect, it can affect you. It can impact your joy, your everything, your focus. That's why it's so important to come here. Not, not to this church, but to the church where you worship, where you hear the word, where you fellowship with one another, where we pray. And in all of that... God brings our focus back to him. Amen? And it puts things in their right perspective. And then he concludes Psalm 73 by saying saying this. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your words. See, he goes from being really angry about what he sees to actually saying, you know what? You know what's really good for me? To be near to God. And so I want to encourage us, you here, You at home, how good is it for you to be near God? Like, meaning, where is the nearness of God in your priorities? I know we're all busy, and I know we have responsibilities, but what kind of priority, what kind of emphasis have you put on drawing near to God and letting him draw back near to you? See, some of us, some of the things you might be going through and why you're going through all this angst and all this kind of stuff right now is that you you drifted. You just moved away. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to come right back. Right back to the driver. Amen? And so how are we going to do that? I'm going to invite up the worship team. We're going to sing a song that really at its core is written and the heartbeat of someone who's near to God. And I want to, before we sing, I just want to give you an opportunity here and at home. In James it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Foundational to drawing near to God is a condition of our heart. So if we're going to draw near to God, we need to confess. We need to have a time of confession and just in sincerity of heart, come into the nearness of God and say, God, check my heart. Here's where I am with you. Here's where I'm double-minded. Here's where I've not been right-focused. Here's where I've been spun up. Here's where I, quite honestly, have been willfully disobedient. Here's where I've been being a hypocrite. I just want to give us an opportunity, you personally, to come before Father with a pure heart before we We have a bunch of announcements this morning, Uh, but before we do that, I do want to uh, kind of specifically speak to the live stream. We have a live stream going on, right, Jordan? Um, You know, we love technology. We love to be able to put the screens up and even to live stream, and we recognize that I think we've been averaging... 80-ish views a week on live stream, which is great. It's kind of like double the size of the congregation. So as much as we celebrate technology, we, we also know that we're kind of helpless when technology takes a nosedive, which it did this morning. So at about 
15 till, 10 till, we had no live stream. And about three minutes till service started, live stream went up. So good morning to all of you who are joining us. Uh, the challenge with that is I still don't think we have, we don't have slides and we don't have uh, announcement slides. And, you know, usually we put up the verses and everything. So for those of you who are here, you get the benefit of that. And uh, if, if you're wondering uh, at home, usually what happens is uh, we have some very faithful uh, watchers. And when something happens technology-wise, they usually blow up Pastor Tyler's phone. So... Um, <laughs> Just to let you know, at home, we know that you're not getting the slides, so uh, Pastor Tyler really would just, maybe a good morning. If you're at home, just text to Pastor Tyler and say, hey, good morning, Pastor Tyler, rather than, there's no slides, okay? So, um, yeah, please don't. I told him to say good morning to you. Wish him, wish him a, a blessed Sunday instead. So, anyway, uh, we celebrate technology, uh, but the good news is God's bigger than technology. And, you know, sometimes we become so dependent on, on really things that, that we take for granted. And then you go back to the early church and like, wait, it was God, the Holy Spirit, changing lives, transforming the world long before the Internet. Amen? So we're going to celebrate it. We're going to move forward today. We are glad that you are joining us online and those that will be uh, watching this later in the week. Um, but that's, we just want to make that clear that we're aware of that, that glitch. But thank you. Let's give it up to the tech team um, for even being able to do that. <laughs> Jordan was having such a good morning. And then about quarter till, he ducked underneath that desk, and they're pulling wires, and they work diligently. And I said, what's live stream look like? And it looked like, remember the old school on TV when it would turn off at 2 a.m. or 12 a.m., and it would just go to the rainbow screen? Well, that was live stream at about 9.57-something. So, so thank you, tech team, for getting that up. We celebrate that. Uh, we do have a bunch of announcements. Mark, you want to come up and uh, tell us what's happening with missions? Thank you. Um, so we have had a lot of fun having Zeke and Layla Rhodes um, in town for the last little while, and they're going to be here a little while longer. Um, if you don't know them, Layla is Richie and Nadine's daughter, and Zeke is Bill and Laura Rhodes' son. And Bill and Laura have been uh, doctors and missionaries and working in Kenya for a long, long time, and um, Zeke and Layla are following in their footsteps. The Lord is leading them to uh, go to Kenya, and Zeke is a doctor, and Layla is a nurse, and they're headed off before too long. Next Sunday, during the service, they're going to have an opportunity to just share a little bit about kind of how the Lord's led them and where they're going and what they're going to be doing. And then next Sunday night at 6 p.m. here at the well is going to be an opportunity to spend time with them in more detail. So if you want to hear more than what you're going to hear next Sunday, or if you're even potentially interested in helping support them or just being involved and engaged in their lives as they move into this new journey, then Sunday night, 6 p.m., kind of a dessert event and getting to hear a little bit more in detail from them uh, will be available. So I think the next is my lovely wife, Kathy. Good morning. Thank you. You have to put up with us both. (laughs) Um, I wanted to make a quick announcement, but I wanted to share something really quick, too. But So we're going to have a uh, Christmas gathering for the women on December 3rd, 4 o'clock, 
It's going to be at my house, our house. <laughs> uh, so you're, all the women are welcome to come. We even have sign-up sheets. So put it um, on your calendar uh, December 3rd. Uh, at 4 o'clock at my house. Um, so I just wanted to share one little thing about that. Um, it's a verse in uh, Matthew's uh, second chapter. Uh, then Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the Christ. And when you have found him, report to me that I may come and worship him. So I'm going to take this verse completely out of context, completely. Um, so it says, go and, careful, go and make careful search for the child. Um, to me, that's saying individually, go and find Christ. Go and look for the Messiah. Go find the Lord and spend time with the Lord. Um, and when you find him, you will find him. If you come to him, he will come to you. And Report that to me. Talk about it. Live it and talk about it. And so this applies to whenever we get together. Sundays, Christmas gatherings, individually, Bible studies, one-on-one -on -one when you have with people. Come and talk, either through your words or your life, that I too may come and worship him so we can connect and uh, encourage each other together. So again, please sign up. We look forward to spending time together with the women. Great, thank you, Kathy. Yeah, you can. So uh, men, as the women are enjoying uh, that evening at Kathy's house, because we caught that, at Kathy's house. Um, Men, we have an opportunity. If you came to the men's breakfast, Matt mentioned that there would be some uh, opportunities for community service projects for the men, and there is one. Same day, uh, Saturday, December 3rd, the Life Choices Pregnancy Clinic has some shelves uh, that need to be put up. And so Matt Norris, is, he needs about five guys, a few hours that Saturday to help put up shelves and bless Life Choices. So uh, if you're interested, men, uh, contact Matt and he'll give you all the details with that, okay? Uh, we also wanted to take uh, an opportunity to say thank you to all of you who have donated to the food drive uh, abundantly for help of Ojai. Uh, that table got filled, and that, all of that went already, and it's already being refilled. So uh, the needs are, are abundant this year, and thank you again for all of you who have given sacrificially to the food drive. If you would like to continue to give, uh, just put it on the table in the uh, commons there, and it'll, we'll just keep bringing it on over to help of Ojai to bless, bless the community. Okay, uh, Breakfast in Bethlehem. You've heard about it. You saw the announcement last Sunday. Uh, I wanted to kind of repeat, and, and sometimes when you see these, if you've been in church, traditionally you slot that into family, a family thing. And then you go, well, that's just for kids, right? It's just for parents who have little kids, and it's a kid thing. No, that's just, this is an all-ages event. And I told Kim that I really you know, want to emphasize that to you, the church family. Uh, all ages, whether you have kids or not, it, it's a celebration of the birth of our Savior. Uh, in a kind of a creative way. We've not done this before. We're looking forward to it. So all ages are welcome. If you need help registering because you're supposed to register online, uh, there will be an iPad at the welcome cart, and they will help you register after service if you'd like to do that. It's, uh, what is it, Tyler, 75? First 75 people that register. So uh, also coming up, uh, Betty mentioned Continuing Care Center. Uh, it's located right behind the Ojai Hospital for years and years, 
Before the pandemic, we would go there for chapels and just built this great relationship. We would do Christmas caroling. We've continued our relationship with them. And Betty mentioned last Sunday, we're doing, uh, what do you want to call this? Baskets? Baskets. These really nice gift baskets. Uh, There's a card at the welcome cart with a bunch of items. Do you have one of those here? I'll I'll, uh, I'll get that real quick. So there's, if you want to, again, bless the community, specifically the residents at um, Continuing Care, chapstick, lotion, hair ties, toothbrushes, toothpaste, deodorant. Uh, And it's not even just what's in the basket. It's the fact that we're blessing them. Right? How many of you here just love getting gifts? Right? You just, there's something special. Someone, someone, I'm, I'm, I'm recognized. And so we want to bless them in a very uh, practical way. So there's these uh, slips at the welcome card if you want to do that. And Benny, where, where should they bring these if they? Here? Yeah, where should they drop these off? Oh, in the trunk. That's right. There's a, there's a trunk, a chest underneath the TV. Right? There you go. Wow. Well done. Thank you, Eileen. Wow. Like, if I do this, will this happen? Or just not till the end? That doesn't happen till the end. Wait, here it comes. Here it comes. Wait. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. Sorry, Randy. I know that, that that's, just, that's your space. Sorry, Randy. I just wanted to feel what that, when you do this. And that's amazing. That, that works. Boom, boom. All right. Um, all right, so baptisms. Uh, just a little while ago, we celebrated baptisms with some of the, uh, the young, ad- young adults. We've had people inquire about baptisms, so we have a baptism coming up November 27th. And we do them out in the back patio area. Uh, Tyler says it's going to be heated. Right? It's going to be heated. Uh, if you have not been baptized and you're even just inquisitive, you're just wondering, what is baptism all about? Or I really would like to get baptized. You can talk to Pastor Tyler afterwards, uh, and he or one of the elders, we'd love to sit down and chat with you about that and celebrate that with you. And then finally, uh, this year for Thanksgiving, I spoke with Pastor Dan from Calvary Chapel over in Oakview, and then he sent out an email to the pastors of the Ojai Valley Ministerial Association inviting us, the churches in the valley, to come alongside him. Uh, They have, for about 20, 23 years, he said, they sponsor Thanksgiving at the park. Uh, They set up at Libby Park, uh, great spread with food, music, a meal, there's a message, and it's not just for the church, but even community members come alongside. So we want to give you an opportunity, if you would like to serve at Thanksgiving at the park, uh, Calvary Chapel has a link on their website, you can sign up, you can also contact uh, Bernie Gayona at that uh, email, he's heading up volunteers, I believe, for their event. Uh, Pastor Dan says, you know, they're set up. About 10 a.m., then there's breakdown at about 1. But what he really would like, you can bring food as well, but he says, you know, one of the needs that we have is actually for people to go through the food lines and sit down and eat with the guests. Sit down and eat. And he says the ministry isn't just to uh, the homeless, it's to the lonely. So sometimes we forget about that, right? If you have your traditions and, and suddenly you're at Thanksgiving and you rally around your family, you forget that oftentimes... Uh, holidays are very um, challenging and even depressing times for those who uh, are alone. And so you have an opportunity, if you'd like, in a lot of different ways to bless the community and, and be blessed. And who knew that going through a food line and sitting down and getting to know someone and sharing a Thanksgiving meal would be a way to serve. Okay, so, so we put that out to you and encourage you, um, if you're able, go, go be a part of the community and, and we'll be salt and light. Okay.